Well, I had felt impressed a few weeks ago, regardless of who won the election. And to be honest with you, I really thought Hillary Clinton would win the election. Now, I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. I voted for Donald Trump and then asked God to forgive me for that. <laughs> I don't think any Christian was a Donald Trump fan. It's just that uh, the majority of evangelicals felt like he was... Uh, the better of the two choices and would do more to uphold the Constitution, to uphold religious liberties and freedoms, and uh, perhaps uh, slow down uh, the tremendous flow of just unbiblical, ungodly things happening in our nation. Uh, but the verdict's still out on him. And so I voted for him, but I voted cautiously. And if you voted for Hillary Clinton, uh, I want you to know we love you and we respect the right that you have to do that. And you are still our brother and sister in the Lord and more than welcome in uh, this church fellowship at First Baptist Fisherville. But regardless, I felt like today uh, we needed to hear a message in view of the election. And I did change it a little bit, though, when uh, Donald Trump was elected. So I've entitled a message today. We do have a PowerPoint on this, the Christian's response to the election. First of all, we should give thanks for answered prayer. Uh, the Bible says, and this is often called God's telephone number, J-E-R-333, call unto me. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, and I will answer you and show you, can you say that word with me? Great. Can you say the next one? And mighty things which you know not. If I ever saw a demonstration of that, I saw it last Tuesday night. I mean, even the political experts were scratching their heads. They could not understand it. It just didn't seem logical. And again, I don't think any Christian is wild about Donald Trump, but the fact is most evangelicals at least prayed like I prayed, Lord, the best person in your sight, may they be elected. God answered that prayer. Psalm 79, 13 says, So we, your people, and the sheep of your pastor will give you thanks forever. And did you know even if Hillary Clinton would have been elected, I still would have made this my first point, because the Bible says, regardless of the circumstance, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And uh, I had decided that I would give thanks even if uh, Ms. Clinton was elected because I thought that would mean that persecution would be coming upon the church and God still would be sovereign and use that to purify his church. You see, we need to give thanks in everything. Why? Because nothing is as big as God is. And he's on the throne... And he is still causing, and always will be causing, all things 
to work together for the good of those that love him. That's us as Christians. So we need to give thanks. I'd like to share with you, and I've got it on the PowerPoint today so you can read along, what Franklin Graham, whom I greatly admire, Billy Graham's son, had to say about the election. Did God show up? In watching the news after the election, the secular media kept asking, how did this happen? What went wrong? How did we miss this? Some are in shock. Political pundits are stunned. Many thought the Trump-Pence ticket did not have a chance. None of them understood the God factor. Many analysis show that Donald Trump won as a result of white working-class voters in the Rust Belt, giving him a clear advantage in states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. But Graham has another theory, and so do we. Hundreds of thousands of Christians from across the United States have been praying. This year they came out to every state capital to pray for this election and for the future of America. Prayer groups were started, families prayed, churches prayed, then Christians went to the polls and God showed up. What should be our response to the election as Christians? First of all, we need to give thanks to God. Some have even said it was like a miracle. We need to give thanks to God for answered prayer. Dr. Gray Allison, president and founder of past president and the founder of Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary used to say over and over again, we're quick to ask God for things, but don't ever forget to thank him for things. Secondly, we must keep praying. We must keep praying. I heard about a guy who was putting a tin roof on his barn, and the barn was very high, the roof was, and he slipped and he was sliding down that roof, getting ready to fall on the hard ground. And he said, oh, Lord, help me. About that time, a nail caught his belt and he didn't fall. He said, that's okay, Lord, I've got it now. I'm afraid we're like that. Now, folks, God gave us a demonstration of some of the great and mighty things that can happen when his people pray. So now we're going to quit praying. Are we going to say, okay, Lord, you've answered our prayer. We've got it now. No, we must pray more than ever before. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer. The New Living Translation, don't be weary in prayer. Keep at it. And then that passage that has been shared by so many ministers even prior to the election Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Specifically, look, for kings or presidents and all who are in authority. Why? Because it makes a difference that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And notice this passage doesn't say that the church, and by the way, 1 Timothy, the book from which this comes, the theme of that book is how things ought to be done in the church. 
And he says, let me tell you, first of all, it's to be a house of prayer. Is our church, first of all, a house of prayer? Is it? And he said, you need to be praying for everyone, but especially your political leaders. Are we praying for our political leaders? Like we should. And please note, it doesn't say just before election or at election time. This needs to be consistent, dear friend. Now, I've listed three things that I think we need to pray for Mr. Trump especially about. And again, from this you may see I'm not a Trump fan, even though I thought he was the lesser of the two evils. First, let's pray for him to be humble. I think the man has an ego the size of an elephant. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. We don't need Donald Trump to exalt himself. We need him to be humbled by what has happened in this country and that God has granted him the privilege of being the president of this country. We need him to be an humble man so that God's grace will fall upon him. Would you pray for him to be humble? There was a company, and they got tired of so many slackers working in the factory. And so they hired a CEO to straighten things out. And the CEO was walking through the factory floor the first day on the job, and he, he saw a man just leaning up against the wall doing nothing. And he said, I'm going to make a lesson out of this. So he said real loud so all the workers could hear him. He said, son, how much do you make a week? He said, well, about $300 a week. And he pulled out his billfold and he gave him $1,200. He said, here, here's four weeks' salary. Now get out of here. The guy took $1,200 and left. Then he looked out over the factory floor. Can anybody tell me what this loafer did? One fellow said, yeah, he is the pizza delivery man for Domino's. You just gave him the biggest tip he's ever had. <laughs> Pride comes before destruction. Let's pray for Donald Trump to be humble. Let's pray that he will be wise and surround himself with good people to give counsel and advice. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no counsel, people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Many passages about the importance of having good counselors around us. But I put this one in especially because some of us are a little concerned. I must admit it, he's so reactionary. And it kind of concerns me, you know, that he has the final say-so about whether or not to push the red button that would involve us in a nuclear holocaust or get us involved in wars. But the Bible says plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel wage war. Folks, we need to pray as this man is choosing different cabinet members and so on. We need to pray hard that good people will be placed in those positions. Again, Franklin Graham said, Donald Trump and Vice President-elect Mike Pence. Now, I like that guy. 
need a lot of help, and they will continue to need a lot of prayer. I pray that President-elect Trump will surround himself with godly men and women to help advise and counsel him as he leads the nation. My prayer is that God will bless America again, Franklin Graham concluded. The third thing, and there are many more. I'm just sharing three. The third thing we need to pray for, my goodness, we need to pray for unity. When you look at the popular vote, the last I heard, Hillary Clinton had the popular vote, but when you compare it to how many folks voted, it basically is just divided. Now, uh, I'm soon to be 66 years old, and I have never seen this country so divided as it is today. Now, before I was born, it became so divided there was a civil war. Oh, that could not happen today. Don't be so sure. Stranger things have happened. Some of the headlines, let me get to this. Last week, man shot anti-Trump protest in Portland as demonstrations sweep across the U.S., Anti-Trump protests, some violent, erupt for the third night nationwide. Anti-Trump protesters gear up for weekend demonstrations across the nation. Police report anti-Trump demonstrators are turning into riots. LAPD breaks up an anti-Trump protest downtown. About 150 are arrested. My dear friend, we're the people of prayer. And we need to pray, pray, pray for this nation some way, somehow to become more unified. Jesus hit the nail on the head. He said if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Now here's what I want to do, and I want you to help me. I want to start having a prayer meeting before the Sunday night service and before the Wednesday night service. We'll meet. We'll start our meeting in Martha Beckett's Sunday school class. It'll be an hour before the service. You can come and go as you need to. You may not be able to get there. For example, tonight it'll start at 5 o'clock. You may not be able to get there until uh, 15 minutes uh, before the 6 o'clock service time. Come on. Come on. The same thing on Wednesday night. You may be able to come and stay for 10 minutes and then you may have another commitment and that's okay. It's going to be informal. But we saw in Ezekiel a while back that God looked for a man to stand in the gap before he pronounced judgment on Israel. I think God's looking for churches to do that now. Oh, folks. Let's pray. Then thirdly, Christians should be repentant. I heard about a Lutheran pastor. I don't know if you've ever been to a Lutheran service or not, or a Catholic service, but there's a lot of things the priest will say in the, every, every Sunday, and our, at every mass service, the priest will say something, and the congregation will repeat it. And they've got it memorized. So every Sunday, the priest would get up, and he would say, 
the Lord be with you. And the congregation spontaneously would say, and with you. The Lord be with you and with you. One Sunday he got up and the microphone wouldn't work and he said, there's something wrong. And the congregation automatically said, and with you. I want to tell you something, church. I'm very thankful for our church, and I'm very thankful for the church in America, but let me tell you, there's some things wrong with us. We need to repent, and we need to quit being convenient Christians. We need to be committed Christians. We need to be all the Lord would have the church to be. If my people, where does revival start? Where does, where does the healing of a nation start? Oh, it starts with the presidency. No, it doesn't. It starts with the only force that can really bring true healing, the force that can be God's salt and light and permeate and really change life. That's us. That's the church. It's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother, but it's me, O oh Lord, not my sister, not my brother. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Oh God, may I be so Christ-like. Oh God, deliver me from lukewarmness. Oh God, forgive me for those pet sins that I continue to practice. Oh God, I rededicate my life to be all you'd have me to be if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their sin and what? Heal their land. It starts with us, beloved. Will you sign up? Will those of us who voted for Trump Walk our talk, so to speak. Put our lives and our holiness where our mouth is. And may we shine brighter than we have ever in this nation. God can do it. He has shown us what can happen when his people pray. Let this be a catalyst to motivate us to pray like never before and to pursue Christ-likeness like never before. To get off the bench and get in the game for God's glory. Let's stand together. Would you stand with me? Our musicians will begin to play. I want us to pray for just a few moments and then David's going to lead us in a song of invitation, but if our musicians would just play softly to begin with, I want to give us an opportunity to rededicate our life to the Lord, to rededicate the life of this church to the Lord. I didn't read the scripture a while ago on that last point, and I should have, but it's one of my favorite from Romans. It says, the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. And those of us who felt like 
God did a work in this election to secure our religious liberties and to hold back a wave of atheistic persecution upon the church. You know what? God's been good to us. He's given us a second chance here. Now, will we allow the goodness of God to lead us as Christians to a change of heart? It's time to do that. I hope you'll join with me in doing that. I do. If there's something in my life or your life that we need to lay aside, let's lay it aside. Would you do that? Oh, my friend, God can do anything, but he's chosen to work through his people, the church, the church of his people. Would you be a part? If you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, that's the only way to get connected with God because God is holy and perfect and we're all sinners. But someone took care of our sin on the cross. He paid for every bit of it so that sin could be forgiven in God's holy eyes when you accept his death as a payment for your sin. If you've never trusted Christ, and accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life. Would you do it today during this invitation time? If you're a guest with us today and it's time you plugged into a Bible-believing church, is God leading you today to come and lead your church letter? Father, we pray for you to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we sing together?